kids are going to be traumatized from that probably forever. A man is clinging to life, shot outside a Chuck E. Cheese restaurant in Langley with children nearby. Plus, a third day of protests disrupt traffic and trucking as RCMP make more arrests and a second criminal investigation is launched at a blockade to the pipeline site. I am prepared for the worst, but I'm hoping for the best. Coronavirus conundrum. A Richmond woman struggled to get her young daughter out of Wuhan, China. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with a shocking scene in Langley last night. A man was shot in a parking lot right in front of families out for a night at a popular restaurant that caters to children. Julia Foy has our top story. Langley RCMP spent hours combing through trash bins near 200th Street and 64th Avenue looking for clues about a shooting that happened outside a Chuck E. Cheese restaurant Friday night. We've lived here like 30 years almost. It's only just the past probably two, three years. It gets a little scary. Police were called around 9.30 and discovered a man inside a black truck suffering from gunshot wounds. Global News has been contacted by someone claiming to be close to the victim, who says he is a father of two young children who were in the back seat when the attack occurred. Global News is not revealing the identity of our source for safety reasons. Shoppers were shocked to hear that the children were so close to the violence. Oh my God. So these shooters didn't care. Because it was targeted, Denny. That's terrible. That's terrible. I mean, that's the saddest part, right? The kids are going to be traumatized from that probably forever. Police say the victim is in grave condition. Our source says his family is devastated. We are in nice, kind, loving, and just there for everyone. The RCMP have not confirmed the name of the victim, but our source has a warning to everyone who knows him, begging them to contact police before they become a victim too. There are some evil people out there. Julia Foy, Global News. A warning has now been expanded about a high-risk sex offender who's recently been released in the Fraser Valley. Taylor Albert Duick was released from prison on Monday. That's when Abbotsford police said the 25-year-old was living in their community. He has since moved, and police are now only saying he is currently in the larger Abbotsford Mission area. He has a criminal history of using a weapon and sexually assaulting a person under 16. He must not possess any weapons, must not consume alcohol or drugs, and has a daily curfew between 9 p.m. and 6 a.m. If you see him breach any of those conditions, you're asked to call police. More major traffic disruptions again today in Victoria and Vancouver due to protests by those opposed to the coastal gas link pipeline. Meanwhile, 11 more arrests today near Houston, B.C., as police continue to enforce an injunction to remove activists trying to stop the controversial project in the region. Sarah McDonald has the latest from near the blockade site. 
This area used to be open to the public, that is, until Friday, when RCMP expanded its controversial so-called exclusion zone, keeping nearly everybody, with the exception of select individuals and a few members of the media, on the other side of it. Do you have anything to say as you're being arrested? New arrests were conducted on Saturday, with pipeline opponents refusing to vacate, now considered to be in defiance of that injunction RCMP had been tasked with enforcing, as a second criminal investigation is launched for mischief over allegations that crucial information infrastructure has been tampered with. The hereditary chiefs of Wet'suwet'en Nation, this large swath of unceded territory outside Houston, B.C., say they have ultimate jurisdiction over this land and they don't consent to the $6.6 billion natural gas pipeline slated to run through it. Even though the energy giant behind it has all the proper permits to put shovels in the ground and the support of the provincial and federal governments and elected First Nations councils in northern B.C. Well, certainly it's not the outcome we we had uh, hoped for or have been working toward uh, over the past uh, number of months. It's illegal what they're doing. Everyone that they arrest and remove from our territory were never charged. It's just harassment and they were not impeding any access at all. They were in the homes. It will likely take days at least for RCMP to access the main encampment housing more people who are staunchly opposed to the pipeline, meaning it is almost a certainty at this point that those most recent arrests will not be the last. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Would you like to see them move these guys out of here so you can get on with your job? Yes, I want to uh, move it. I can uh, deliver it and go home. So I don't want stuck here. A long line of truckers stalled on Highway 1 at the McGill Street off-ramp as protesters who claim to be supporting Indigenous pipeline opponents blocked access to the Port of Vancouver for a third day in a row. The action caused heavy traffic backups and the Port of Vancouver says some operations were impacted. In Victoria, protesters who took over the steps of the B.C. legislature on Thursday appear to have set up a tent city in front of the buildings. The group, which calls itself Indigenous Youth, is refusing to leave. Demonstrators say their occupation is in solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs. We asked the protesters if they're aware that all 20 elected Indigenous council along the pipeline route are in favour of the coastal gas link project. Does that conflict with um, what you're standing for here? So the five elected councils that are representing the Wet'suwet'en Nation are bodies of the Indian Act. They are band councils that were imposed against the will of the Wet'suwet'en peoples, against the will of the hereditary chiefs, when the Wet'suwet'en peoples were confined to small reserves, tiny plots of land that were allotted to them by the government. Protesters have also blocked the Johnson Street Bridge. Victoria Police saying they expect it to remain closed until about 7 o'clock tonight. A B.C. mother has been struggling to get her little girl out of Wuhan, China, after her husband contracted the novel coronavirus. The father is now recovering, but it's not known if the girl will make the next Canadian charter flight out of China. Paul Johnson has the story of frustration and fear. I was going to travel with them, but I did not have my Chinese visa at the time. You can understand how Amelia Penn might be second-guessing herself when her husband needed to travel unexpectedly to China last month, taking their two-year-old daughter Serena to see family during the Lunar New Year seemed like the right thing to do. Then the news hit. The following week, Monday, Tuesday, Wuhan has been shut down. If that wasn't enough to make a mother anxious, then came the news that her husband, Wei, had caught coronavirus but is expected to recover. 
Just as she was starting to cope with that, Serena came down with a fever. When little kids, when they get sick, it could be dangerous for them very fast. So every day I was checking my phone nonstop. As it turns out, Serena has a garden variety toddler bug, not coronavirus. But that's barely any relief for Amelia, as the next step is figuring out how to get Serena home. A second government flight is about to airlift Canadians from Wuhan to CFB Trenton in Ontario. While she's in touch with global affairs about the situation, with dad still recovering from coronavirus, sorting the details of getting a two-year-old onto that flight in lockdown Wuhan will require nothing short of a logistical miracle. Hopefully she can catch the plane in time and the government, well, hopefully they can find somebody to act as a temporary custodian. Well, things seem to finally be moving in the right direction. Amelia's strength and optimism make it easy to overlook that while her daughter and husband have been sick, she's been sick with worry. I keep looking forward to the day I can see my daughter, hold her in my arms, and we laugh and cry together. I'm really hanging my breath on that. In Richmond, Paul Johnson, Global News. An American citizen has now died from the virus. The U.S. Embassy confirms the 60-year-old died at a hospital in Wuhan, China. This is the first known coronavirus death of a U.S. citizen. So far, more than 37,000 people are infected. The death toll, now at least 811, surpassing the 774 people who died in the 2002-2003 SARS outbreak. Meanwhile, both Royal Caribbean and Norwegian Cruise Lines say they're banning passengers with passports from China, Hong Kong or Macau until further notice, regardless of when they were last in those regions. A formal search has been launched for a missing Vancouver Island man after new clues emerged in his disappearance. Michael Gassetas is a popular location scout for the B.C. film industry. He was last seen on January 31st driving his red 2011 Ford Ranger. It has since been learned that the Courtney man drove north to Campbell River, then headed west on Highway 28. This new information was enough for two local search and rescue teams to begin a formal search this weekend, joining friends of the missing man who've been doing their own search for the last week. We've had teams out in the field all day today. Um, they're basically concentrating on roads, uh, the highway itself, Highway 28, and then all the secondary roads that lead off of Highway 28 in, in different directions. We believe he's alive. We believe that something's happened, an accident has happened, his truck has broken down. He is a location manager and location scout in the film industry. He has spent days of his life driving the back roads of this province. In the wake of last weekend's tragedy that saw three young men die during heavy flooding on Vancouver Island, the province is taking action to close the gate at a popular recreation area. The BC Parks gate at Souk Potholes Provincial Park is now closed from 9 at night till 7 in the morning and can also be locked during flooding. Last Friday, Corey Mills, A.J. Jensen and Eric Blackmore went missing from Souk during heavy rain. Their truck was found Sunday on the banks of the Souk River. Their bodies were recovered nearby. It's believed their truck may have gone into the river past the park gate. The Environment Ministry says public safety is a priority and it will participate in the coroner's investigation if requested.
The city of Vancouver says early stats from the 2019 empty homes tax show more homes are being returned to the rental market. The number of homes declared vacant is down almost 15 percent from 2018 and down 30 percent since the program's launch in 2017. The majority of homeowners submitted their declaration by February 4th's deadline. Properties declared or deemed vacant will be subject to a 1% tax, which will increase to 1.25% for the 2020 tax year. Animal rescue organizations are speaking out about new and confusing air transport regulations for pets. WestJet Airlines posted a bulletin this week outlining changes to its policy. As Global's Jill Croteau reports, many say the move will cost them much more and put the lives of thousands of dogs at risk. It's a mission out of love for neglected dogs. Rescue organizations unwavering in their international plight to save abandoned animals from often appalling circumstances. Come on, guys. Tommy and Melita were rescued from Cabo San Lucas. They're among the thousands of pups that have been brought from Mexico. Over the last 10 years, we've probably saved about 4,000 dogs from kill shelters and from the streets um, that would really have no other opportunity if they weren't able to come to Calgary to find adoptive homes. But their efforts will be impacted by a policy they say WestJet issued with no warning. Any dog meant to be sold, adopted or rescued must be shipped as cargo, classified as a commercial import, and won't be able to travel in the cabin with their volunteer flight angels. It's, it's really heartbreaking. I mean, we've worked really hard over the years to set up an amazing network of volunteers and donors and supporters. Um, knowing that now thousands of dogs will die on the streets after we've spent years cleaning up a lot of those issues. Um, the rescues down there will be overrun. They have no outlet to send their dogs north anymore. And so, I mean, the animals will ultimately suffer. And they say prices for cargo transport have also gone up by nearly three times, something they worry could cripple their nonprofit. It definitely means the future of the rescue will change. We won't be able to rescue as many dogs. It's not clear who unveiled the policy. WestJet posted the bulletin, indicating the decision was made by Canada Border Services Agency. But CBSA insists nothing has changed on their end, leaving rescue organizations in limbo, desperate for a reconsideration of the rules. Jill Croteau, Global News. A harrowing ordeal for a dog and his owners on the North Shore today. Houston, the lab, slipped into the fast-moving river. But as Kristen Robinson reports, fortunately, firefighters came to the rescue. If Houston could talk, he'd have a harrowing tale to tell. I panicked and screamed and I thought that we'd never see him again. The golden lab, just shy of one year old, out for a walk with his humans when he slipped into the rushing waters of West Vancouver's Cypress Falls. It was a really steep embankment and Houston lost his footing, fell down the embankment onto some slippery rocks. Houston washed downstream and over a couple of waterfalls before he was able to swim to a bank and climb onto a ledge. It's, it's really dangerous. We wanted to make sure we didn't fall on ourselves as well. He couldn't get a firm grip, so he was hanging on for dear life, basically. Stuck in a precarious spot, firefighters called to the rescue. Uh, we lowered the rescuer with the harness and attached the the dog to the harness and then hauled the uh, the rescuer and the dog up the bank. Houston harnessed and pulled to safety, happy to be back with his owners. I was ecstatic. <laughs> I was really happy. And he was so happy to see the rescue guy. 
Houston escaped his big water adventure unscathed and thankful to his rescuers. I hike with him probably four times a week, but he's never, this has been his first adventure here. Is it going to be his last? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Kristen Robinson, Global News. While the South Coast basked in some much-needed sunshine today, Montreal has a gargantuan task of digging out from under 40 centimeters of snow that fell in just one day. City staff and residents are putting in long hours in an effort to try to get things back to normal. As Dan Spector tells us, that could take a while. The biggest snowfall of the winter finally stopped, and on Saturday, many Montrealers woke up to a big job ahead of them. This morning, it was buried uh, over the wheel wells, probably up to about here, um, and it uh, required some extensive digging. He's far from the only one. This NDG resident just moved from Brazil six months ago. Back there, he didn't have to do this just to take his son out for lunch, but at least he was getting some help. He likes it. <laughs> Doesn't stop. Not the optimal way to spend a Saturday, but some tried to look on the bright side. Bye-bye. It's fun, it's nice, it's sunny, but unfortunately it's minus 30, but we love it and we like it. So we're going to shovel until we get it all done. The main streets were in pretty good shape on Saturday, but on the side streets, the going was tough. Someone shoveled the snow out of their way and right into the middle of a sidewalk. Well, I'm upset because some contractors uh, don't respect the sidewalks and... Um, especially for my wife. The city is well into its snow removal operation in all 19 boroughs. Many of those truckloads are going right here to the Angrignon snow dump. It's amazing the work we're doing. It's huge. The stream of arriving trucks seems endless. These heavy-duty snowblowers blast the snow high into the sky. The city says about 100 trucks are coming here to the Angrignol snow dump to dump their loads every hour. And as much snow as you can see here behind me, it's not even yet half full. Workers here say they're doing 20-hour days. It's going to be this way for nearly a week. We will bring the snow into those land sites and by next Friday it's going to be over. In the meantime, the city is asking for your help. The city will need a collaboration from the citizens by respecting the non-parking signs. Also, give us room. Don't put the garbage in the middle of the sidewalk. That's not useful at all. Even though it could be Friday before things get back to normal, the people we spoke to seemed patient. It's a lot of snow. I, I, I kind of understand. It's part of the deal. It's uh, part of living in Montreal. Dan Spector, Global News, Montreal. Residents across the Maritimes are dealing with the aftermath of that same system. Snow, freezing rain and strong winds swept across the region yesterday. Thousands of people are still without power in many areas. A manhunt continues in Thailand, where officials say one member of the country's security forces has been killed and two others were wounded in a raid at a shopping mall northeast of Bangkok. That's after a soldier went on a shooting rampage. Commandos stormed the mall early this morning to try to stop the soldier. That spree has now killed at least 21 people. Dozens more were wounded, several critically. Video shot outside the mall caught the sound of extended gunfire as security forces moved in. Hundreds of people were able to escape the mall after the gunman went inside. The soldiers' rampage began at a house, then continued at an army base. It's believed it may have been sparked by a property dispute. An actor who rose to fame in the 1960s and 70s has died tragically. 
Actor Orson Bean has been killed in an accident. Police say he was struck and killed by a car in Los Angeles while crossing the street. Bean was an actor, TV game show celebrity, and a familiar face from Hollywood's golden age on Netflix. Orson Bean was 91 years old. In Health Matters tonight, new research finds many parents are putting their babies' lives at risk by sleeping in the same bed with them. The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends sharing a room but not the same bed for a baby's first 6 to 12 months. But a new study reveals fewer than half of parents practice these guidelines. Research shows bed sharing can significantly increase the risk of sudden infant death syndrome. It turns out you can thank or blame your friends for your eating habits. A study has found that many social media users tend to copy their friends' eating habits. Researchers in the UK found that university and college students ate more fruit and vegetables if they thought their peers did. But they also ate more junk food if they believed those in their digital social circles did so. Experts say these perceptions could come from seeing friends post about food or a general impression of their health. We are only a few hours away from the start of one of the most important shows here on Global BC, the 54th annual Variety Show of Hearts Telethon. Andrea and Jay Durant join us from the Hard Rock Casino in Coquitlam with more on this year's big show, including a special guest. That's right, Colleen. We're with Sean Vero from Widemouth Mason, one of the many talented acts that will be taking the stage during the telethon tomorrow. And Sean, what's that like being able to, to share the stage with so many different musical influences, different styles tomorrow? It's, it's like playing a festival, kind of. It was nice to see Said the Whale and hug those folks, and we haven't seen them in a little while. Sharing the stage with musicians is pretty easy. We usually are against sharing it with really cute kids who will upstage <laughs> us at any no moment, but we'll make an exception for this time. So why is it so important for you to be a part of this? It's a... Uh, both Safwan, my drummer, and I are, are parents of young children, and it's wonderful, but it's challenging enough um, when you're not facing any additional hurdles or challenges where you need medication or equipment or stuff that you don't have access to. So um, as our love for our kids as parents, you know, has become the biggest thing in our lives, and just trying to imagine what it must be like if you need access to things that you don't have or that you could use some help to get or to make sure that your kids have access to all the things that give them, you know, an amazing life is, is something we were happy to be a part of. Well, we're happy that you're here, and we're excited about this great event, and all kicks off tomorrow at 9.30 in the morning. That's right. Going to be great. Uh, we're going to play the tunes very soon here. I can't wait to hear them. Back to you, Colleen. Thanks so much, you guys. And once again, the 54th annual Show of Hearts Telethon is live tomorrow right here on Global from 9.30 in the morning to 5.30 at night. Tune in, call in, or donate online at variety.bc.ca. Why Netflix has a lot riding on tomorrow night's big show and the movie definitely not in Oscar contention. We're going to have that for you right after the weather forecast. And Yvonne, we were all kind of celebrating today because we saw the sunshine. It made a return finally. It feels like it. we haven't seen it in a while. We'll start off with a couple of photos uh, just to show and illustrate uh, some spots across the province today. Basking in it today, Half Moon Bay. So thank you so much, Carly. This is right along the Sunshine Coast. Davis Day Beach also along the Sunshine 
Sunshine Coast, captured by Cheryl, and earlier this morning in Yale Town, uh, George getting this fantastic shot. We'll see a very similar weather picture over the next couple of days, uh, so stay tuned. I'll have that in the long range in just a moment. We are seeing dry conditions clear out there. Temperatures are sitting at 5. It'll cool off evening, overnight, so a heads up. It'll be a chilly start for Sunday morning. We've got a northwesterly wind at 9 kilometers per hour. A few other spots across the province today getting into the double digits for Victoria up to 10. Out of the airport, 8 is the high today. Williams Lake topping out at minus 3 in the northeastern corners for the piece at minus 1. Overnight, early morning hours, temperatures will dip down to the freezing mark, so it'll be cool, chilly. It'll be mainly sunny through the afternoon and highs tomorrow up to 6 degrees. We've got a ridge of high pressure. That's the dominant feature that's building in across the province. We'll benefit from it from the south coast with sunshine, dry conditions. It'll stay strong over the next couple of days, likely into Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we'll start to track a change as it weakens and the return for some wet weather. The piece tomorrow, gusty winds at times remaining dry, but up to 50 kilometers per hour. A chance of showers could pop up on Monday night and a chance of flurries on Tuesday. Most areas near Whitehorse tomorrow, sunshine up to the freezing mark. A blip in the forecast for Monday will be some light snowfall, not much in terms of accumulation. North coast, it'll be on and off rainfall inland. Areas near Terrace will be looking at snow through the day. Smithers, a few isolated flurries. And then temperatures do start to bump up inland Monday, Tuesday, and it'll change and fall as rain. Caribou and central interior, a few flurries in the mix. Southwesterly wind gusts up tomorrow up to 50 kilometers per hour. A dry day Monday, and then some rain is going to develop and push in on Tuesday. Columbia and Kootenai, a few spots for the Columbia. Early morning hours, we'll see some flurries. It'll ease off. The Kootenai, we'll see some sunshine. Temperatures up to four, and the tops in Okanagan. A chilly start with the wind chill tomorrow morning. Feeling closer to minus 10. Dry sunshine over the next two days and a bit more cloud cover rolling in on Tuesday. Whistler, fantastic, very pleasant, up to two. It'll warm up on Monday and into early next week. And most areas across the island, the exception will be the northern half tomorrow. May see more cloud cover by the afternoon and early evening. Most areas, though, it is going to cool off overnight. We're down to the freezing mark, up to seven for Victoria tomorrow and eight degrees on Monday. Fantastic, Colleen, over the next couple of days. We'll be tracking that sunshine. It's the early morning morning hours if you're heading out it'll be cool close to the freezing mark but monday tuesday late day tuesday into wednesday we may see a bit more cloud cover rolling in and so far wednesday thursday is we'll start to see some showers for tomorrow afternoon very pleasant with some sunshine colleen love it thanks so much yvonne Oh, gone are the days when you had to go to a theater to know the movies that are up for Oscars. This year, a very big, small-screen company is competing hard for Academy Award hardware, with a lot more than bragging rights on the line. The Oscars is a high-stakes test of whether Netflix can earn the ultimate honors from the Hollywood establishment. Netflix has more riding on Sunday's Oscars than any other studio, both in terms of reputation and dollars spent, investing an estimated $70 million on awards marketing. Netflix has the most nominations of any studio, 24, including two for Best Picture. It's followed by Disney and its Searchlight division with 22, then Sony with 20, and Warner Brothers and Universal with 12 and 11, respectively. Netflix's film with the most nominations is Martin Scorsese's The Irishman, including Best Picture and Best Director. Netflix spending reported $160 million to produce this film, plus an estimated $25 million to $30 million on award season marketing. So why is Netflix spending so much money on marketing for awards? 
The streamer says it's not just targeting Academy voters, but also looking to promote its premium content to subscribers. Netflix CEO Reed Hastings has said, and analysts agree, awards are valuable to Netflix because they boost its ability to draw top talent. And the competition for talent is fiercer than ever, with so many new streaming services vying not just for subscribers, but also for stars and producers. Julia Borston, CNBC Business News, Los Angeles. All right, from talking about the best to the worst, the much maligned movie version of Cats racked up eight nominations at this year's Golden Raspberry Awards, also known as the Raspberries, the annual celebration of Hollywood's worst films. The Broadway musical adaptation earned nods for Worst Picture, Worst Supporting Actress for Judi Dench and Rebel Wilson and Worst Supporting Actor James Corden. Rambo Last Blood and a Medina Family Funeral also received eight nominations. The Razzie winners are usually announced the day before the Academy Awards, but this year organizers opted instead to only reveal the nominees ahead of tomorrow's Oscars. Huh. Well, any publicity is good publicity, right? So they say. If you want to go see, my sons do that. My son does that with his buddies. They'll go see bad movies. Well, they, go, they won't go on see On purpose. Cats. They won't go see they cats. They will not go I don't see think. Cats. Maybe not that one. They'll wait for that one to come out on <laughs> video. Yes, and then they won't watch it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone loves a good musical, don't they? Especially in these gloomy times. I, the, I do. Anyway, I'm talking about, I have no uh, segue. No segue. From cats to Canucks. <laughs> Although, they do start with the same first letter. Uh, Canucks are back home, finally, after the long road trip. And good news, Elias Pettersson is going to be playing. So we'll hear from him looking ahead to playing the Flames tonight. So Vancouver's won nine straight at home. And uh, they've been so good there. And they got a six-game homestand. So it should be 15. Should be. If things go uh, planned by by this time in about two weeks or so. I think that it's a good thing to get to play six games at home. You don't have to pack. You don't have to get on the plane. Yeah, there's two schools of thought. If uh, if you're on a roll and you're playing well, yes. If not, then you're kind of just losing all your home games. That can work the other way. Good point. But since we're glass half full people here. Thanks, Colleen. The Canucks begin a six-game homestand tonight against the Flames. And considering Vancouver has won nine in a row at Rogers Arena, they have to feel feel they can build on their two-point lead atop the Pacific Division. It will also help to have top scorer Elias Pettersson back in the lineup. He was a late scratch the other night in Minnesota with a lower lower body injury, but he's good to go tonight. You hope to play the other night. Did you take that skate to sort of have the warm-up, the final test to see whether you could go or not? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I want to go out there and try, and uh, didn't feel 100%. So, and, but I got some rest, got some treatment the last few days, and I feel good. Getting Petey back for tonight? Uh, yeah. Anytime your leading scorer is out, it affects your team and uh, our ability to create offense. Obviously, it's good to have him back. When a guy like that misses even one game, do you kind of count your blessings that it's not more serious? Yeah, I mean, I'm not overthinking it. I'm happy yeah. he's back, and uh, I didn't think we, we didn't think it was going to be a long injury. NHL tonight: Predators and Oilers. Edmonton just three points behind the Canucks. The surging Predators now just six back. First period, Nashville opens the scoring. Craig Smith with the quick stick will whack the backhander past Mike Smith. One nothing, Nashville. Late uh, second, now two nothing, Preds. Connor McDavid shot stopped by UC Saros, but Kyle Turris. Kicks it into his own net. Credited to uh, Alex Chason. McDavid got an assist. It was 2-1. Then in the third, what a feed by Nugent Hopkins to Leon Dreisaitl, who fires Poston in for his 30th. 
ties this one up 2-2. And those two weren't done. Nugent Hopkins on the power play to Dreisaitl, who will fire in his second, his 31st. 3-2 Oilers now late in the third in Edmonton. Coyotes four points back at the Canucks, visiting the Bruins. Second period scoreless until Zdeno Chara's clearing attempt right on the stick of former Bruin teammate Phil Kessel, who will knock it in for his 12th, 1-0 Coyotes. But the Bruins tied it, then took the lead. Patrice Bergeron deflects the David Pasternak slapper on the power play. That made it 2-1. That's a planned play there. Nice stick by Bergeron. 2-1 Boston. And two minutes later on another power play, Jake DeBrusque with his 18th also deflecting a Pasternak shot. That was the game winner. Bruins do the Canucks a favor, beating the Coyotes 4-2. Jets and Senators from Winnipeg. Jets part of a chase group in the West as well. Second period tied at 1. Kyle Connor gets loose and he will rip it short side for his 26th. He's having a very good year. 2-1 Winnipeg. Then on the power play, Patrick Lyonnais starts what will be a big night for him. His 21st makes it 3-1. Now 3-2. Lyonnais on the power play. Perfect deflection in the high slot showing off those great hands. 4-2 Jets after two. And then in the third, Lionet is going to get the hat-trick goal. Now 23 on the season. Jets, big win, 5-2. They jump past the Flames and Coyotes into the first wild card in the West. Now in the East, Leafs and Habs, Toronto back into a playoff position. Habs still a ways out, but playing better the past couple of weeks. Jonathan Drouin back after missing 12 weeks with wrist surgery. Uh, John Tavares gets the Leafs the first goal of the game. The Habs have tied it. They're now in overtime, so it's 1-1 in OT right now in Montreal. Welcome back. Abbotsford's Nick Taylor has been a regular on the PGA Tour since 2015. He has one win from that rookie season back in 2015 at the Sanderson Farms, and he's always been right around a million a year in earnings. He's been good and steady, not necessarily contending too often, but productive. But the 31-year-old is on the verge of doing something very special. He had the lead after two rounds of the prestigious Pebble Beach Pro-Am, heading into round three today. Life is always a beach at Pebble. Taylor calls it his favorite course in the world, but they used three different courses the first three days. Taylor on the toughest one, Spyglass Hill, had two early bogeys, but turns his fortunes around on the back nine. Nice approach at the second hole. His 11th of the day gets back to even for the day. Then at the par three fifth, Taylor from distance rolls in the birdie, gets to 15 under, and he's in a tie for the lead with uh, Phil Mickelson and Jason Day. Then at the par five seventh, this is for Eagle, and the Eagle has landed three under 69 today, and Taylor leads the tournament, continues to lead at 17 under. Phil Mickelson, five-time winner at Pebble Beach, was making magic with his vaunted short game from the bunker at 13. Phil holes out for birdie, and then at 14, off the green, fourth shot on the par five. And Phil is going to knock this one in, too, for another birdie. He will play in the final group tomorrow with Taylor Phil is one shot back at 16 under. Adam Hadwin did not make the cut. A year ago at this time, Vashik Pospisil was recovering from back surgery, hoping it would eventually get him back to the form that once had him ranked in the top 30 in the world in men's tennis. It took Vashik six months of recovery 
And even he has said he is more than pleasantly surprised how good he's feeling and how well he's playing. He was outstanding at the Davis Cup Finals a couple of months ago, upsetting many top-ranked players. And he's kept it going this week in France, where he's now qualified for his second-ever ATP Tour Finals. Pospisil uh, taking on world number 10, David Goffin of Belgium. They split the first two sets. Third set, Vashik showing his on-court movement. Sliding volley for the winner, up 3-2 on serve. And then check out this circus return by Vashik. The blind backhand return on the serve. Ended up losing the point, but just to even try it shows you his confidence right now. It's incredible to even make contact. Now, the key point of the match, Vashik down five games to four. Gofan is serving for the match, but Pospisil with the passing shot winner breaks Gofan to stay in the match. And then after holding serve, Vashik will break Gofan again to take the match in three sets. Pospisil will play Frenchman Gail Monfils in the final tomorrow, looking for his first ever ATP singles title. Women's basketball from Belgium, Canada with a chance to punch their ticket to the Tokyo Olympics with a win over Sweden today. Late first half, Kayla Alexander with the offensive rebound and put back at the buzzer, 37-31 Canada at half. Former SFU star Nao Raincock Akunwe with the drive, then kicks it out to Kia Nurse, who knocks down the three. Canada by 11. Fourth quarter, Canada putting the pedal down. Natalie Achanwa with the fake and then drives and banks it in. Canada by 22. And then Raincock Akunwe putting the capper on this one with another three as Canada rolls past Sweden 80-50 to to punch their ticket to the Tokyo Olympics and Canada feel they are a medal contender there. A great clutch win today. Raptors looking to extend their franchise record win streak to 14 against Brooklyn. No Kyle Lowry out with a shoulder neck injury. Joining Mark Gasol and Norm Powell on the sidelines. The injuries never seem to stop, but they just keep on playing great. Undrafted rookie Terrence Davis with the basket there. Everyone pitching in. Patrick McCaw with the three-pointer. Digging deep on the bench today was Nick Nurse, but everyone seems to come through when they're called upon. Matt Thomas, a pure shooter, doesn't play much, but always seems to produce when he's in. 13 for him in the first half. Serge Ibaka playing like he did in the playoff run. Unstoppable inside. And then all-star Pascal Siakam also looking unstoppable as he is uh, down low, 66-54 Raptors at the half. And we can tell you right now it's tight. Toronto's a little tired on a back-to-back, but still lead late in the fourth. And Federation Cup, Leila Annie Fernandez in Canada taking on Switzerland. Swiss won the opening two matches yesterday. No Bianca Andrescu or Jeannie Bouchard due to injury. So Canada really up against it. But the young Fernandez did quite the job as she would pull off a massive upset over Belinda Bencic, the world-ranked number five, won the first set 6-2, and then the second set went to a tie-break, and Fernandez will manage to get the ball back. Bencic will blow the overhead smash, and that's it. She wins the uh, match, but unfortunately, Gabriela Dabrowski lost her singles match, so Canada loses three games to one, and they'll have to uh, re-qualify again later on this year to get back to the world group. But hopefully, Bianca is uh, her knee injury. She'll be back, we're hoping, in the next week or two, but wasn't ready to play this week again. It's been a while. Had the trouble with the injuries. When she plays, no one can beat her. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Gotta stay. Mm -hmm. All right. Here's a look at your snow report for tonight. Whistler Blackcomb with 12 new centimeters, 13 for Grouse, and 26 new centimeters for Cypress and Sasquatch. 55 new centimeters for Manning Park, 17 for Fernie, and 7 for Kicking Horse. 
10 new centimeters for Big White, 3 for Silver Star, and 11 new centimeters for Sun Peaks. Mount Washington, 17 new centimeters, 9 for Whitewater, 6 for Red Mountain. All right. The city of Vancouver is looking into whether one of the star performers at this weekend's Vancouver International Boat Show is violating any bylaws. The performer in question, Twiggy, who's already been banned in Toronto. Global's Matthew Bingley has the tale of a now infamous water skiing squirrel. While getting a sneak peek of attractions at the Toronto International Boat Show in January, little did we know we were actually witnessing a law being broken. Sure, Twiggy the water skiing squirrel may look innocent, but its appearance at the event is against Toronto municipal regulations. Keeping an eastern brown squirrel in captivity is against the law. The things that I wake up and hear regularly on Friday mornings and every other morning of the week that I didn't know I was going to be dealing with that day, some of them that cause you to just say, you must be kidding me. Mayor John Tory says while it might sound like a waste of resources to worry about it, rules are rules. The law is the law and uh, I think it's just better we should be consistent about this and not say well we're going to make exceptions for water skiing shows. Twiggy is from Florida and its handlers have been in business for decades using multiple squirrels. Sounds outlandish. How about that? <laughs> that squirrel can water ski. But rodents in show business have even popped up in the movies. Yeah, that's hilarious. Toronto Animal Control doesn't find it so funny and has told the boat show the water skiing act won't be allowed next year. But Twiggy has already moved on to a similar event in Vancouver businesses are banned from using rodents in performances. A city official there says they're now investigating. And if the boat show isn't following Vancouver laws, it will issue a warning letter. Twiggy's owners aren't responding to requests for interviews, but organizers at Vancouver's boat show say they've obtained all the proper permits they need and that Twiggy's performance there is meant to educate children and families on water safety. Matthew Bingley, Global News. And to reiterate, the city of Vancouver is investigating the incident. Right. Should the operator be found in contravention of any of the bylaws, the city will definitely issue a warning a letter. A letter? That's a letter, nuts. A warning letter. Oh, yes. Well, squirrels, you know, that's, that's all he, he wants. It's he just nuts. Gets, he You're good. Yeah. You, was that in purpose or was that just... Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. That's any all I got to say about that. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Thank goodness they are taking, you know, worrying about the big issues. Well, you know. What? You're not allowed to use a rodent? We're trying to animals. I get it. I get it. Um, we're big animal fans. Well, I am too. You not some, no. <laughs> yeah, you are. You are. I love uh, the squirrels. Thanks for watching. The pigeons. Join Jordan tonight. Pigeons. <laughs>